Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you.
Praise His name forevermore. 
our glorious Father in heaven, we thank you for gathering us here today in your house. We thank you for all who have made it here today. We ask for your blessings upon them. There are many needs in our house, but you are a God who takes care of our needs. There are those who can't be here today, uh, those who are traveling, like Pastor Moore's family. We ask for your mercies as they travel uh, and as they grieve. Um, and just as you watch over them, um, especially with all that driving going on. We ask for those in our church family um, and among our friends who struggle with cancer and other diseases these days. We ask for your hand of healing and for your touch to lessen the pain. We thank you for those Christians who sacrificed um, and go into the public sphere. Um, our school teachers and others who've had a hard year and ask you help them to finish well as they continue to minister and give your love to others where you've placed them. Be with us in our workplaces. Let us be a shining light to others. Help us be mindful for opportunities to share your blessed word with others. Uh, help us not to keep that promise to ourselves, but to share it with others, others who desperately need it. Uh, when we think about some of the things that have happened in our area just this last week, uh, here locally uh, and in surrounding cities, the need for your love and touch is very great, but you have chosen to use us to be your heralds. Help us to reach out and to be uh, that shining light. Help us not to be hidden, but to let that light shine forth. Continue to mold us and make us after your will. Help us strive to do better each day. Know that we can't do it on our own, but only by your love. And again, we give thanks for all you've provided for us. We thank you for some good weather. We ask that some of these outreaches we'll be doing as a church will be a good outreach to the community to share your love with others. Provide for us within the church um, and among our members, those who'll need to do the work for BBS and other activities coming up so that we can be who we need to be. Um, we ask all this in Jesus' precious name.
And I know the night won't last That your word will come to pass And my heart will sing your praise again And Jesus, you're still enough So keep me within your love my heart will sing your praise again Your promise still stands Great is your faithfulness Your faithfulness I'm still in your hands And this is my confidence You never promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness i'm still in your hands and this is my confidence you never failed me yet i sing you move come move the mountains and i believe See you do it again. You made a way when there was no way, and I believe I see you do it again. Then you move, come move the mountains, and I believe I see you do it again. You made a way when there was no way, and I believe I see you do it again. promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness i'm still in your hands this is my confidence you've never failed your promise still stands great is your faithfulness your faithfulness i'm still in your hands this is my confidence, you never failed me yet. Oh, you never failed me yet. Oh, you never failed me yet. Holy Father, we come to you this morning and we just thank you. That the faith that we have inside of us can move mountains. Yet so often we forget that there is so much power through your name. Father God, we, we put you away and we don't want to share who you are with those around us because we're scared of, of what's the perception of us. And we don't use that same faith that can move mountains, that same faith that can build a way because we're, we're too scared to claim your name. Father God, this morning we pray that you would forgive us where we fail you, where we, we do not do the things that you've called us to do, where we shirk away from the glory of who you are. Father God, we recognize that you are amazing, you are a beautiful and glorious God who came 
to give us a better way, a way that so often we don't want to choose because we're sinful and we need you. This morning, Father God, we pray that we would just focus on the will that you have for us, Father God, on the, on the path that you've chosen for us, that we would be people who follow your words, that we would leave the stubbornness, the hard-heartedness behind, Father, and we would choose to pursue your way, a path, Father God, that you promised us would not be easy, but it would be so much better. Father God, give us the courage and give us the desire to be your people, Father God, and to be in your will and not out of it. We love you and we worship you, and it's your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Y'all may be seated. Earlier this week, I had to unplug something to plug in a television, and I didn't plug it back up. And it was the receiver for my microphone. Let me invite you to turn with me in your Bible. I invite you to turn with me in your Bible to Acts chapter 15. As you're turning there, I want to mention something you may have seen uh, online uh, this week that we sent out. Uh, in July, near the end of July, we're going to be uh, taking a mission trip to El Salvador. Uh, as you know, we've, we've been in partnership in ministry in El Salvador for, um, for six, almost six and a half years now, which is hard to believe. Uh, and uh, many folks from church have gone uh, there as, long, uh, as well as some others that we've taken and we have done all kinds of ministry in El Salvador from speaking in schools uh, to um, uh, doing pastors conferences and training we've done a number of those uh, several years ago Jim Hibbs and I played Santa Claus and uh, uh, went around and, and handed out some Christmas gifts around uh, uh, Christmas time and so we've done a lot of neat things uh, and we uh, Pastor Lore and I were there last February, right before uh, the pandemic kind of hit and things shut down. And so uh, we are planning to go back at the end of July. And the neat opportunity we have this time is we have the largest team signed up to go uh, that we have ever taken. Uh, right now, if, if nobody else uh, decides they would like to go, we have 10 
from our church and one from another church um, who are wanting to, to go with us. And so, uh, so it's, it's very exciting to have that. It's going to be, uh, there's a couple challenges that we have to work through with that, but God is already opening those doors. Uh, with 10 people, transportation is very different uh, than it would be when there's, say, four of us and we can beat around in an old uh, suburban, uh, although I have heard our old suburban has since um, went on to be with the Lord and uh, is no longer uh, with us. Um, but we have a, an awesome 15-passenger uh, van that's already reserved and a driver for the week uh, that's a pastor there that's going to help us with the ministry. And so, um, so we have a lot of neat opportunities. One of the challenges, though, is that a number of the folks who are going are some of our young people. Um, some of our high school and college students are going to be going with us. And so I want to encourage you to think about if you would be willing to help sponsor uh, someone's trip. Um, maybe you can't go with us, but you would like to invest in uh, that trip. Our goal uh, between now and when we leave is to raise about $7,000 uh, to cover everyone's trip or at least as much of it as we can and then also um, uh, to cover our expenses once we're there with the driver and with food with uh, some of the ministry we're going to be doing will have some cost with it and so um, online you might have seen where you could pledge to, to give something between now and then um, you can also just do that by seeing me or seeing Pastor Lore or Pastor Alex and just saying hey I'd like to pledge you know, $100 or, or a couple hundred dollars, whatever, and, and we're going to put that in the system, and you'll actually get an email that tells you how much you've given towards your pledge and how close we are to our goal, and uh, we're going to keep that in front of you, but we would love to have you help out uh, with that trip, and everything you give will go to uh, helping out folks from our church. So uh, if we do have some folks from some other churches, and that's a possibility, um, what, what you give will go toward our expenses um, so that, you know, and, and maybe you don't care and, and that would be fine, but if you did, you'd know that. Uh, and so we've already got $400 pledged just from the end of the week, so it's a good start um, there and uh, would love to, to kind of meet that goal and, and be able to do uh, even more while we're there. And so it's not a real expensive trip. If you think about that, um, that's 10 people for seven grand. Uh, there are plenty of mission trips that cost two and three and four thousand a person uh, but as some of you who have been with me know we live cheaply in El Salvador um, we eat pretty well but we uh, we don't spend a lot of frivolous money the place we stay is is completely covered uh, by our ministry partner in El Salvador so we don't have any cost for lodging and that is huge uh, because ten people staying in hotels even in El Salvador would double probably the cost of our trip and so, um, so we're very fortunate. We were able to buy our plane tickets uh, much cheaper than they normally are. Almost, uh, as a matter of fact, over $300 a ticket cheaper than normal. And so we're very excited about that. That helps out a whole lot. But uh, again, if you'd like to go, we could still take you. We'd love to have you. But if you can't go, if you could help out on the trip, uh, that would be tremendous. And I look forward to seeing our young people. Um, some of them, this is their first international mission trip. Uh, go um, and they'll enjoy that I think thoroughly and uh, we'll get to see how God uh, works on that trip but I think it's going to be uh, I think it's going to be excellent so hope you'll consider maybe how you might help out with the trip uh, coming up in July 
Acts chapter 15. If you were with us last week and we're looking through this chapter of God's Word, we, we asked this question at the end. Are you a person who seeks to resolve conflict in a manner that honors the Lord? Are you a person who seeks to resolve conflict in a manner that honors the Lord? And as we come to chapter 30 of, or sorry, verse 30 of chapter 15, we, we see how, how this conflict is resolved. And if you had only read to the end of the letter from verse 29, you might have thought, it's all going to go great. And in many ways it does. But we don't necessarily have the resolution that we might have thought. So I want us to read together, beginning in verse 30, and we're going to read through the end of the chapter. Acts chapter 15, beginning in verse 30. If you're able this morning, I invite you to stand with me as we reverence God's word together. Acts chapter 15, beginning in verse 30. The Bible says this, So when they were sent off, they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they had read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off in peace by the brothers to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with so many others. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. You may be seated. This passage is, is interesting because we have the resolution of the conflict. So if you go all the way back, beginning of the chapter, there was a question. Do, do the new people who have come to faith, do the new people who now follow after Jesus, do they have to, to follow all of the rules of the Old Testament to really be a Christian? And this had been a great debate because some had come and said, yes, by all means, you have to do that. You have to. Verse 1 of chapter 15, But some men came down from Judea and were teaching the brothers, Unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. In verse 5, But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, It is necessary to circumcise them and to order them to keep the law of Moses. They believed you had to do that. But, but others rose up and said, No, this is an undue burden. We cannot put this burden on them. As a matter of fact, we can't tell them that they have to keep this law that we ourselves constantly struggle to keep. We can't put that on them. We can't put that burden upon them. 
And so the letter was sent, and we find here in verse 30 where it is read to the people, and we see their reaction. But what we have to take away from this is while there is great joy, there also becomes great discouragement. We have to ask ourselves this morning, does resolving conflict among others take care of every issue that you have? And the reality is, the answer is very often no. That even when we resolve conflict, even when it's taken care of and settled, there, there can still be issues that come along that are hard for us to settle. Sometimes we, we have to come to that point of, of agreeing to disagree, if you will. And the question is then, how do we handle that? How do we handle it when we, we just simply can't come to a conclusion where everyone can move forward together? That's what takes place here in the last verses of chapter 15. And we could see this and look at this as a, a tragedy, or we could see it for what it is, how God uses even those who are disagreeing with one another to do good things for his kingdom. What do we see first? Beginning in verses 30 through 35, we see that the word of truth is encouraging to those who are in Christ. The word of truth is encouraging to those who are in Christ. Look what happens. They are sent off. They're talking about uh, Paul and Barnabas, Silas and Judas. They're sent off. They've got this letter. They go down to Antioch. They get everyone together and they deliver to them the letter. So they would have read it. Read it to them in their normal gathering. Like we are gathered this morning, they would have stood up and read the letter. And we remember the letter. They write it and they say this. To the brothers... Sorry, I lost my spot here for a second. To the brothers, both the apostles and the elders, to the brothers who are of the Gentiles in Antioch and Syria and Sosia, greetings. Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words, unsettling your mind, although we gave them no instructions, it seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay no greater burden on you than the requirements that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. They, they read this letter out loud, and what happens when they read it? They, talking about those who are gathered there, the church, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. They rejoiced. They rejoiced, and then Judas and Silas, who were told are prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. What do they hear? They hear the truth. And it encourages them. Now you and I, we could have looked at this and, and the church could have done the same thing. They could have heard, wait, wait, what do you mean we can't do these things? Well, what's wrong with that? 
What's wrong with us eating this, this meat that has been sacrificed to idols? We talked about la that last week, what the problem was. The, the false worship that went into that. But they could have said, well, you don't tell us what to do. You don't tell our church what to do. We, we see this letter as restraining us from our, our freedom to do whatever we want. Some of us might be prone to say, I want to do it this way. I want to do it my way. I want to do it the, the way I want. I want to conduct my life the way I want. We're, we're living in that time in the history of humanity, or at least in the history of our country, of, of ultimate personal autonomy. That I can do whatever I want. And not only that, whatever I want or whatever I feel becomes what is true. So whatever I, whatever I decide is true on a given day about me, about my family, about society, about the world around me, that becomes the ultimate truth. Whatever it is, whatever it is that I feel or see. And the church could have taken that approach here. In fact, we know that throughout history, there have been times when there have been churches who have made that decision. It doesn't matter to them what God says. Well, I'm going to do it my way. And by making that decision that I'm going to do it my way, they end up departing from what God has said is true. But when... When these believers show up in Antioch and they've got this letter, this letter that I'm sure the church in Antioch was, was desperate to hear because they knew this debate was going on. What would be the results? What would the church in Jerusalem say was necessary to follow after Jesus? And when they show up, they read the letter. And yes, it, it has requirements but they do not see this letter as restraining them. They rejoiced because this letter gave them great freedom to follow Christ. They were encouraged by Judas and Silas and their words. They're strengthened by what they had to say. In fact, after they were with them a while, they, they were able to send them off in peace. And we still had Paul and Barnabas in verse 35 staying in Antioch, teaching and preaching the Word of God with many others. What a joyous time for the church. Because it would be after this that the Gospel would take off. The Gospel would spread like wildfire through all of the known world. People of every tribe and tongue and nation would hear the good news. It would go to the east and to the west. It would go north above where they are now into Europe. It would go south into Africa and spread throughout the world. And it happened because in that moment when this letter is read, it was something they could rejoice over. Friends, we need to understand that if we are in Christ, if we know Christ, the word of truth will be encouraging to us. We will hear people say that the Bible... It, it, it's too many thou shalls and thou shall not. It tells them too many things they, they can't and can't, or they can and can't do. You're allowed to do this, but you're not allowed to do that. But here's the reality. If we know Jesus, his word is freeing to us and encouraging of us. 
When we read in the Bible something that, that we see that we should not be doing, we realize that God has put that there for our good. It's not because he is mean. It's not because he is angry with us. It's not because he wants to remove fun from our life or enjoyment from our life. But it is because God knows what is best for us. We will so frequently look at that the other way. That the Bible is just outdated. That, that you know, we've got we've to change with the times. We, we've got to move on ahead. We've got to be more progressive in our thinking. But the reality is that God knows what is best for us. And if we are in Christ, when we see those things that the world would look at and say, well, that's very restraining, we would look at those things and say that is very freeing. Why would you not want to be tied down with, say, those things sacrificed to idols? It's because all those idols can do are enslave you. They cannot set you free. Why would, why would the church say you, you must abstain, you must avoid sexual immorality because that sexual immorality is bondage. It is not setting you free. It, it doesn't give hope. It only gives pain. God knows that, and that is why he has laid these things out for us, and that is why the word of truth is so encouraging here. They get this letter, and it seems like if we, we look at it, it could be four new rules to follow, and yet it is four things that become very freeing for the church. Very freeing for those followers in Antioch who had waited so worried about what this letter might contain. And yet when they hear it, they rejoice. And they are encouraged by, by Silas and by Judas. They are encouraged by Paul and Barnabas. They grow in their faith by these words that these men come and share to the church. Because every time they hear the word of truth, it encourages them because they are in Christ. When you read God's word, does it encourage you? Does it give strength to your heart? If you're in Christ, that should be the case. You, you, you will find, even in these places that are hard to read, even as you're going through the Bible and you get to places like Leviticus and Numbers and they seem to be, be so disconnected maybe from, from our contemporary life. We read the stories of imperfect people and we realize that we're not so different from them. And yet it should be encouraging because the Word of God continues to point us toward Christ and when we are in Christ, we realize that reality. That the Bible keeps pointing us toward this one who is so different than we are. Yet he's so like us and yet so different from us who God sent to save us from our sin. It might be good if chapter 15 stopped there. If you could just... You know, take out these last verses there because everything seems to be going so well. Paul and Barnabas in verse 35 are, are in Antioch and they're teaching and preaching the word with many others. What does that mean? That means that there are people growing in their faith to where they're also standing up and preaching and teaching God's word. People aren't staying just immature in their faith as listeners, but they're becoming active as teachers and preachers of God's word. It's a good thing, but it's not where it stops. And what we find in verse 36 through the beginning of verse 39 is that disagreements can arise 
even when good work is being carried out. Disagreements can arise even when good work is being carried out. Look what happens. Verse 36, after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now, if you remember back, think about the last several chapters of the book of Acts. There were some places where they went and preached and the people tried to kill them. Remember that? Like they stoned them. They ran them out of the city. They conspired to stone them but didn't get a chance to stone them. It's been kind of rough at times. And Paul says, hey, let's go back to those places. You remember where they, they gave us a swift beating and threw some rocks at us? Let's go back there. Because we need to check on those brothers and see how they are. We need to check on those sisters in Christ and see how they are. So he says, we need to go back. Now Barnabas wanted to take with him John called Mark. Now what we know is that John called Mark is a family member of Barnabas. He's a relative of his. But we also know that he had been with them before and had deserted them. Right when things look like they might get rough, John Mark, he, he left. Now, Paul realizes, he has to realize, he must realize that on the way back, there might be trouble again because there's already been trouble. And verse 38 tells us that Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. He had ran out on them. We don't know, we don't know all the reasoning and we don't know everything that occurred in his leaving, but he left. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever been doing a, a job, doing some work, especially something that was difficult, and somebody, somebody leaves, and they head out, and then they come back later, maybe like when the work's about done, that's not always the thing that endears you to them the most. Like, nobody really likes that guy. I remember... Uh, a deacon in my previous church who's gone on to be with the Lord now and when we he, he was older and, and his health wasn't great and so he, he really couldn't do a, a ton of work when we would have work days or projects but he always joked that he was a really good supervisor and you know because of his age and his health that was okay but if he'd have been a 25 year old who showed up to supervise he probably wouldn't have lasted very long. And he certainly wouldn't have been welcomed if he'd have left to go get lunch early and came back late and wanted to just stand around and talk. We've got a situation going on here where Paul knows that this business is serious. But Barnabas is not asking John Mark just to come because it's his buddy or his family member. You know, he's wanting, he's wanting, no doubt, to see him restored to the work. We've got important work to do, and, and maybe John's grown. We don't know. We don't know everything that has happened, but we do know that Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone out to do the work. And so what happened? 
there arose, verse 39, a sharp disagreement. Now remember all the joy that has went on and all the encouragement that has happened, right? The letter has come. Many preachers have been won. People are growing in their faith. People are excited about what's going to happen. But a disagreement arose. And they separated from each other. You know, if we didn't have anything else after this, if we didn't have Paul's letters, if we didn't have more of the book of Acts, this would be one of those points that could be just detrimental to our understanding of the early church. But if, if we're honest with ourselves, we realize that disagreements can and do arise even when good work is being done. Even when good work is being carried out in the church, in the community, among brothers and sisters in Christ, disagreements can arise. And sometimes those disagreements get to the point where people separate themselves from each other. Do you think that Paul and Barnabas, with all the joy that they had had together in ministry, remember what Barnabas had done. He had went and sought out Paul to bring him back to help with the work. Barnabas had been the leader, and now over time, as Paul's stature has grown among the church, he's become really the one we identify with. We think about when you get past the book of Acts, a big chunk of the rest of the Bible was written by Paul. I've not found the book in here that Barnabas wrote. But that had not always been the case. And so here are two mature believers, two leading believers who have important work to do, but this disagreement became so great that they separated from each other. And they went their own way. I tell you, when we face situations like this, it gets very discouraging, right? When we, we feel like we're, we're on the precipice of something great happening, and disagreements come. And it's not disagreements coming about because one person is mature in their faith and the other is immature and they simply don't know what they're doing. It's not a disagreement because one person is really mean-spirited and hateful and doesn't, doesn't like to get along with people and just causes dissension. That's not what is occurring here. What's Barnabas's chief characteristic that we think about from Scripture? He was an encourager. And yet when he and Paul come to this point, their disagreement is so great that they go separate ways. Again, not over something trivial. Not over something minor. Not because they, they weren't prayed up. Not because they were immature. Not because they were trying to be divisive. In the end, you're talking about two men who live in a fallen world who are sinners saved by the grace of God. And they simply could not agree here and decided it best to go and continue their work elsewhere, but no longer together. Now again, we could look at this and say this is, this is the breakup of, of maybe the greatest missionary team of all time. The good thing that we know is that this did not last forever. 
In fact, we, we see later indications in Paul's letter that he very likely took John Mark with him later on to do work years down the road. But at this point in this season, their disagreement was so great that they could not work together. We need to understand that sometimes that just happens. Sometimes genuine brothers and sisters in Christ disagree over something where they cannot work together. So they have to go in different directions. We've seen that in the history of the church. People ask sometimes, why do we have so many denominations now, part of the reason we have that is because people fight and can't get along, and ill-spirited Ill and mean-spirited people have caused division. But sometimes there's genuine disagreements over people who, between people who love the Lord over issues that are important. Like we have a, a baptistry, and we baptize you, and when we baptize you, I get you all the way under the water, all of you. Like I'm not even sure if it counts if I don't get it all under there. That's an important issue for us. In fact, that's one of the distinctives of a Baptist church is how we baptize. But there are some very well-meaning brothers and sisters in Christ in places like the Presbyterian church, not all the Presbyterian churches, but some of the Presbyterian churches who believe almost identical to what we do in so many ways, but we disagree sharply on baptism. And that's an important issue. And it doesn't mean that we think that those Presbyterians are, are not saved, that they're all going to hell, but we do believe that it's an important issue. So there are times when there are genuine disagreements between brothers and sisters who love the Lord, and it means that they're unable to continue fellowshipping together in the same way. And that is just going to happen. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm not saying it's, it's wrong. I'm just saying that's going to happen. And what we need to do is have the same response they have. Which brings us to the, the, third, the third point here this morning. God used the disagreement for his glory. Disagreements are going to happen, but God used it for his glory. See, we need to understand that conflict can be discouraging. And I have no doubt that it was discouraging for Barnabas and discouraging for Paul. I mean, we get a sense. Paul just throws that idea out there. Hey, by the way, um, let's go back. You know, let's go back to the, where we were before. Let's go back and visit these folks again and encourage them. And he's thinking, I get, he's probably thinking as he's sharing that, Barnabas is going to say, yeah, let's go, let's, let's it's time. We've done good work here. There's other people preaching and teaching. There's leaders in that church. Let's go. And Barnabas said, hey, yeah, let's take John Mark with us. And that just sets it off. John Mark's the one that left us. It's not wise to take him. The work we've got to do is going to be difficult. Why would we take John Mark? He left us when we were there earlier. He did not go along with us as we were doing the work. That had to be discouraging. But look what happens. End of verse 39. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. So Barnabas goes with Mark, 
to Cyprus, which is where he was from. He goes back to kind of his hometown, and they begin working and preaching there. Paul chose Silas. They were commended by the brothers, and they went, in verse 41, to Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. God used their disagreement, their fighting, their inability to resolve this conflict to end up with two missionary teams instead of one. He used that for his glory because Barnabas and Mark, they go strategically to somewhere else. Now, they didn't do like some of us would have done, right? What would we have done in this situation? Would we have went over uh, to work over here in a place that needed it? No. The way churches do is some of you wanted to leave and be uh, pains about it. You go over here and buy the, uh, the mechanic shop and clean it up a little bit. And uh, like in one church I used to minister in, um, we would be First Baptist Eichard here, and across the road you could be Eichard Baptist Church. Because I used to be at Kings Mountain Baptist Church, and First Baptist Kings Mountain was down the road, and they had split back in the 40s or 50s or 60s, and that's what they did. One got the name, one got the building. That's pretty messed up. What do they do? One group goes to Cyprus, a place that needs to hear the gospel, a place that Barnabas was familiar with, a place that he could take his relative and help him grow in his faith and become the type preacher he needed to be. By the way, who is the guy that Paul wouldn't take with him? It's the guy that wrote the gospel of Mark. I think something happened. As I was reading one commentator, he said, maybe Paul had figured out that writing was his gift and not missionary work. God still used this situation for his glory. They didn't go and try to hurt each other or hurt the kingdom. In fact, they stayed focused on the kingdom work, even though the two of them could not get along together. This is what happens with far too many disagreements in the church. One or both parties stop living for the kingdom. They begin to go live for themselves. They either abandon the church they try to hurt the church. They try to tear it apart. What happens here? These two men are godly men who love Jesus. They just can't get along on this issue. And so they go their separate ways, but they go their separate ways to continue living for Christ, to living for his kingdom, to obeying his word. One to Cyprus, his hometown, to share the gospel. The other to the, the churches in Syria and Cilicia to strengthen those churches to continue the missionary journey. And while the book of Acts continues to follow Paul because Luke ultimately will be embedded with Paul on these missionary journeys, God still works through both of these men to win people to Christ, to share the good news. Have you ever thought about that? how God might use some disagreement in your life for his glory? See, I think our natural instinct is just to try to get back at people or try to hurt people or try to prove that we are right. You know? Paul could have done that. I'm going to follow these guys up to Cyprus, and I'm going to watch for John Mark to fail, and then I'm going to put my finger in Barnabas' face and say, look, I was right. You say, well, that would have been terrible. We surely wouldn't have written anything about Paul if he'd have done that. Yeah, you're right. But how many of us 
want to do that. How many of us, when we see problems happen among brothers and sisters, we, we desire for them to fall? We desire that something would happen that would show that we were right and they were wrong. Can I tell you that Paul is such a kingdom-focused man that there is no way he would have desired for Barnabas' trip with John Mark to fail. Because if it failed, he would be proven right. But if it failed, the kingdom of God would be hurt. And the man who has just went to Jerusalem with Barnabas to, to have this debate to decide what's going to happen with all of these believers that he has won to Jesus... He surely does not want then Barnabas to go into an area where he worked and toiled to then cause the ministry to fail. When we have disagreements with godly people over important issues, we can't desire that they would fail. We must pray that God would use the disagreement that we have for His glory, and that's exactly what we see here. Because when Paul and Silas go to the churches in Syria and Cilicia. They're strengthened. So I wonder this morning, if you would, as we're thinking about this passage, if you would or if you do commit yourself to press on even through disagreement. Yeah, I'll see on occasion people will talk about how the reason they aren't in church is because they've, they've been hurt by the church. And people have been hurt by the church or they've been hurt by other believers in different ways. Some, it's because they're just whining. Can I just be honest with you? Like, I've been in church my whole life. I've been hurt in the church. Like, I've been a pastor for almost 17 years now. I've been hurt by people in the church. Can I just be honest? I didn't sleep well last night, and I got up this morning, and I thought, I wonder if Alex would have anything that he could preach this morning if I just went back to sleep. Because I'm tired. But I don't come to church because I've been encouraged by the church or discouraged by the church or hurt by the church or, or loved by the church. I come to worship because the object of my worship is the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And so, so I hear people, I've been hurt by the church or I've been discouraged by the church. Can I, can I tell you this? We don't come to church for that reason. And we've got to get to the point where we commit ourselves that even when there are disagreements, we're not going to bow out. You know, there's some people that's all they're ever talking about is bowing out and getting out. Friends, we're in because of Christ. We're not in because of each other. As enjoyable as each other can be, Paul and Barnabas are committed to the work not because they get to hang out with each other, but because Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. Because he died on the cross for their sin, they're going to share the good news even when they have disagreements. Even if they can't work together, they're going to work in separate corners and keep working on the same project. 
I wonder if you've got that commitment in your life. Like, are you one of these people who are teetering on commitment? Because, friends, you need to get off of that. Either get off the bus or be on the bus. Help drive the bus. Work on the bus. But this commitment, they didn't give up just because things got difficult. They, they, didn't, they didn't give up because they had a disagreement with something that happened. They were committed to the kingdom of God and the work of God no matter what happened. I wonder if that is us. Are we to that point where we are committed to the work that God has no matter what comes up? That we're willing, as we saw last week, to work through conflict and, and resolve conflict. But when it can't be resolved, that we continue working for Christ. We need to seek to live at peace with others. The Bible tells us that. To the extent possible, be at peace with other people. But no matter what happens, we cannot let conflict stop the work. Think about how many people, not only from our church, but from churches all around us, how many tens of thousands of people in this state, throughout this country, once said they were committed to Christ. But when it got a little bit difficult, they walked away. How interesting that Barnabas refused to do that to John Mark. We, we see this and we often will laud Paul, but, but think about Barnabas. He had been deserted by this guy too. He said it wasn't wise Paul says it, it wasn't wise to take with us a guy who had withdrawn from them. What does that mean? It means he also withdrew from Barnabas. And Barnabas did not give up on him. He said, I'm going to take him, even if it means we've got to go in separate ways. I'm going to take him because I believe in him to do the ministry of the kingdom. And friends, we have the gospel of Mark out of that. We don't give up. We try to live at peace, but even when we struggle to live at peace, we do not stop working for the kingdom. Because, friends, the work that we have to do is far more important than the disagreements that we have. And we would do well to learn that. As a church, to be quite honest with you, our, our convention of churches would do well to learn that. That the work we have to do is greater than the disagreements we have. And even if we can't work together right side by side, we can still work together on the work that is to be done for the glory of God. Do you commit yourself to press on even through disagreements? Because they will come, but the work we have to do is so much greater. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and truth. We thank you that you love and care for us. We thank you that you... You give us hope where we have no hope. You give us peace where there is no peace. God, you are completely able to help us mend all of our relationships. But God, even when you don't, God, I pray that each one of us would stick to the work to be done. No matter what comes our way. No matter what happens, that we would strive together to complete the work of your kingdom and see all of those who are far from you come to know you. 
God, I pray that you would set aside. You'd set aside in our life and in our heart the things that are unimportant to pursue you. Pursue you fully. Pursue you completely. And to know you more. God, lead and guide us during this time. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I'm going to invite you to stand with me as we're going to sing a final song this morning. I want to challenge you with this. Maybe last week you heard a message about reconciliation and you didn't go reconcile. There was conflict there and you didn't go take care of it. Would you, would you do that? Would you commit to doing that? And with that person who you have disagreement with and you are just not going to get along, would you commit yourself to still working working for the kingdom. Maybe you can work right beside them, shoulder to shoulder. Maybe you need them to go work in that corner and you work in this one because like a couple of uh, toddlers, you just can't get along at the moment. But you commit that no matter what happens, you're going to continue to do the work God has for you. Friends, we can do that. Why? Because we know Jesus. He is the common denominator. He's the common factor between us. We know Jesus, and therefore, we can live together. Friends, if you don't know him this morning, you're not going to be reconciled with him. You're not going to be reconciled with others. You need to follow Christ, and I'd love to share with you how. Maybe you need to come and pray this morning that God would fix some relationships of yours that are broken. You respond to God's word as we sing together. I hear the Savior say, Thy strength indeed is small. Child of weakness, watch and pray. Find in me thine all in all. Jesus paid it all. Yeah.
stain. He washed it white as snow. Well, I want to thank you for coming to worship with us this morning, and I pray that as you go, the Lord will bless you and keep you. He'll He'll make it possible for you to live at peace with others, to resolve conflicts that you have, especially with other brothers and sisters in Christ, so that we can complete the common work we have together. It's a, it's a big task. And that's why God has not called on us to do it alone, but as a family of faith to reach people near and far for the sake of his kingdom. I want to pray for us and we'll be dismissed this morning. I hope you'll stay uh, for Sunday school, our adult class will be in here, our youth and children uh, over in the other building and uh, in their classes, and come back tonight as we study God's Word together. Let's pray, and we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace and peace and truth. We thank you that you love us, that you've given us hope, God, that you've called us to yourself. God, as we go from here today, God, we pray that you would lead and guide our life. We thank you for saving us and giving us hope. Use us as we go for your kingdom's sake. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.